Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode number 292 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We are coming to you. This isn't an emergency podcast, but we're in ACC tournament time, ladies and gentlemen. So we are coming to you literally minutes after Duke opens up the ACC tournament with an 86 to 51 victory over Boston College. We are going to dissect all of it and get you ready for tomorrow's game. We can now say it. Is against Louisville. Uh, but before we do all that, I'm Donald Wine. I am the host for this episode, uh, feeling much happier than I was a few hours ago because our Blue Devils played pretty well. I got my two guys with me, uh, Sam Klein and Jason Evans. First, Sam, how are you feeling after this victory? I'm doing well. I am holding a letter that I just received from the Internal Revenue Service thanking me for using the online access to IRS.gov. That's, that's why they sent me a letter. So Yo, what, a, I, what look, a fascinating waste of paper. Can I just say, I'm doing fine. I'm holding a letter from the IRS. Are words that have never been spoken in that combination before? Yeah, <laughs> did you Jason, like that? That was that was a good setup, right? Jason, do you have any IRS letters with you? Hello, by the way. <laughs> no, thank thank goodness. No, I do not. Yeah, well, I'm perfectly happy to get no correspondence from the IRS. Well, I did get a letter from the IRS a couple of weeks ago, and it was you know it's in their blank envelope, and it just says IRS on it. You're like, what the hell can that be? And it was like, oh, by the way, like six weeks ago, we sent you your stimulus check. I'm like, yo, you can't do that no more. Like, that's not your job to tell me what I already know I got. Like, my bank told me that. Don't send no letters like that no more. I also have a letter. I'm reading the mail right now while we're also recording this podcast. I'm multitasking. I also have a letter from the Durham County Board of Elections asking me to update my file. Impressive that they found me in Boston. <laughs> Maybe they realize that I will not be voting in Durham anymore. <laughs> hey guys, guys, can we can we please Duke just beat the pants out of someone? Let's talk yeah, about that. Let's we can that. talk about that. We can talk about that again. Duke beat Boston College in the first round of the ACC tournament, 86 to 51. It was a game that started out hot. We had a couple of guys that were hot from the get go and it just we just destroyed them from there. Uh, we are going to get into everything. Normally we do the headlines and we like to think about it, but screw it. We're, we're five minutes after the game. Jason, give me a headline for this game. My headline is freshman lead blowout of BC. Maybe five in five isn't impossible. Ooh, I like that. And I like your optimism. Sam, what do you got? I was going to go with Keenan Worthington leads the way down the stretch for Duke. <laughs> and he did. Three points, two rebounds. That dude was a monster for the last three minutes. He I did. We, had, we literally had no idea that he had this in. It, it, it's, I think it's the first time we've ever got to see it. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Are we not going to shout out Joey Sav? I mean, really wait, nice assist. Yeah, really nice let assist. me get to my headline. Yeah. Oh, go for it. Sorry. So, go ahead. So my headline is everybody <laughs> plays in Duke blowout victory. Because everybody played. And that's if you have everybody playing in the AC tournament, that means that we were blowing the doors off enough to pull people with a lot of time left and get everybody on the floor, which is exactly what happened. So I want to get into the good. And Sam, I will go to you first. There is a lot to take from this game. Where do you want to start? Well, I'm not sure if I want to start with Mark Williams or DJ Stewart. So why don't I start with Mark Williams? Because there's an emergency vehicle driving by my apartment right now telling me that I should be picking Mark Williams. So Mark Williams tonight, I need to, I guess, apologize a little bit because I, I think I ragged on him on the last show and I was a little down on his defense. And you know what? He was great tonight. Like I thought Mark Williams was playing about as well as we've seen him play so far this year. And the thing I texted you guys during the game was, I think we're getting to the point where Mark Williams now needs to declare that he's coming back to school next year because <laughs> he has he has become a a potent enough player at both ends of the court for Duke in the post that I'm I, like he he looks like he could be a 
a backup NBA center right now. And, and he showed that tonight in his defense. He was, he was disrupting all kinds of stuff in the paint for Boston college. He was picking up loose balls. He was having offense. I don't know designed for him, but he was certainly able to get the ball in advantageous positions to dunk it aggressively and do that thing. So I am I'm thrilled about Mark Williams and I want to talk about DJ Stewart, but let's, Let's finish talking about Mark Williams and what a great night that he had. So we are not, I want to repeat, we are not going to have the Mark Williams NBA discussion at this time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want, I don't want to have it. Um, I think that there are good arguments either way on it, but I think that, I think it's most likely that he returns. So we're not going to have that discussion, but I agree with you. The, the the transformation that Mark Williams has undergone uh, over the past, you know, I guess three weeks or so is really striking and and it is a huge development for this team and yeah you're right he he was outstanding this game what what we're seeing from him you know a, a, as he progresses each and every game like he's taking more and more sort of difficult shots in the post uh in the first half he had you know he had a couple of shots where he spun away from the basket and and put up you know I think he might have gotten lucky at one of them <laughs> there was one two-handed kind of push shot that he banked in I was like I don't think that's what he meant to do, but he, he kind of ran down the ran down the court with a smile on his face, like yeah, 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 yeah just like I drew it up. <laughs> but but he is he is showing, like Sam says, much more refined offensive abilities. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Mark Williams at the same time. I want to talk about another guy if I can, um, because in the last game against Carolina, I called out Jeremy Roach for not looking for Mark Williams. In the post, when Jeremy Roach drove to the basket, I thought he should have looked for Mark Williams on the lob. And in this game, and and the guy I want to talk about, I know Sam wants to also mention DJ Stewart. I think we got to talk about Jeremy Roach because I thought Jeremy Roach did a great job of finding his teammates. Great job of finding Mark Williams. There were a couple times Roach took the ball toward the bucket and he went, yeah, hey, here's the defense. I'll toss it up over them. And Mark Williams is going to slam it through for the easiest two points that anyone on the court can ever possibly have. Roach finishes this game with five assists and only one turnover. He made a number. Uh, I thought it was his best passing game of his career. Um, he made a number of very, very difficult passes. He was not looking for, and, and again, I called this team out for being too predictable and too obvious in its passing game. This game, we started to improve that, and Jeremy Roach was the guy who did it. I, he hit some shots late, and, and great for Jeremy that he did that, but I don't care about his scoring. If he can set up the teammates the way he did today, he, he, was, he was just outstanding. There was one in the first half when it was still a competitive game with about seven minutes left. He made a bounce pass to DJ Stewart. The DJ knocked down a three. That was one of the most difficult passes, probably his most difficult pass of the entire season. And to see that he has this kind of distribution ability in his arsenal, boy, it gives me a lot of hope, A, for what's going to happen this year, but B, for what he's going to be able to bring to the table next year. Absolutely. And and I thought Jeremy Roach played tr- tremendously, especially a market improvement from what he's done over the last few games. So it was great to see that. And I'm glad you gave him praise for that. I do want to talk, go back to Mark Williams, because one thing that he was doing today, we've talked about how he's learned on the job, so to speak. Uh, and today he was commanding the basketball, which is something I haven't seen him be very aggressive in doing because we've had other guys that have been scoring like DJ Stewart, which we'll talk about in a second and Matthew hurt, but he was commanding the ball. He was, he was in the post. He was sealing off his, his man. And he was like, give me the rock. And there was one time where he kind of like had an alley-oop where he kind of tried to shoot it and he missed it. And he kind of ran back down the court and he kind of looked at the coaching staff. Like, I, I, I got it. That's, that's on me. The next like five or six possessions, he grabbed the ball, 
dunk, 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 dunk. That is what you want to see. So uh, I was very happy for that. And I, it, it, I, I do want to go back to Sam because Sam, I think DJ Stewart to me, I was so proud of how he performed this afternoon with how he played both on the offensive end and even just, just being a presence on, on defense to try and be active. I'm going to tell you about DJ Stewart and I want to come back to Jeremy Roach for a second. Cause as you guys were talking about him, I had a little bit of a thought about us thinking about Jeremy Roach and DJ Stewart and how I think it's easy for us coming into this season and then throughout the year to kind of put them together and, and sort of evaluate them as a, as sort of the same player, I think what we're realizing, especially in this game and, and in recent weeks, is that the best versions of DJ Stewart and Jeremy Roach are very different players. DJ Stewart is a scorer first, and we knew that coming into school. He had a reputation as a shooter, and and the best version of DJ Stewart in college is going to be a guy that averages close to 20 points a game by shooting the ball a lot and by driving the ball a little bit. We saw that version of DJ Stewart tonight, and and that he's able to to be aggressive on defense because there are guys behind him like Mark Williams who are able to back him up so he can go for steals, he can disrupt passing lanes, and that version of DJ Stewart is really rounding into form. Again, going to the NBA discussion, which is sort of inevitable this time of year, I think there's, in the same way that we talk about Mark Williams needing to come back next year to turn into like the, the real mature freak that I think he's going to be for Duke, DJ Stewart the same way. I'm so excited to see his development and and see the way that he like once he's good at reading a defense and reacting to it is like it's it's going to be another level for DJ Stewart. Coming back to Jeremy Roach though, the thought that I had while you guys were talking about him is that again, thinking about the best version of him in college, the best version of Jeremy Roach is not going to score 18 points a game, I don't think, not on a regular basis. He's going to be a maybe around 10 points a game, but like high assists, um, really active on defense, guarding the other team's point guard. Maybe he guards the other team's shooting guard if DJ Stewart is that good of a defender. And so I went and I looked. Chris Duhan, senior year at Duke, averaged 10 points a game, six assists, and 2.2 steals. Would you guys, and Donald, I know, was there for it, and he's in Chris Duhan's class. Prior to that year, that was the only year, by the way, that he averaged double-digit points, but was an... Like, like no one would argue that Chris Duhon wasn't an integral member of the team as a freshman, certainly, when he won the national championship, was the captain leader of that 2004 team that made the Final Four that we all agreed was one of the best teams in the country that year. Am I off base to think that, that Chris Duhon is a great, like, template, I suppose, for the way we want Jeremy Roach to be in college, where, yeah, maybe he only averages 10 points a game. Maybe, only, you know, next year that, that, that could be where he's at, but if he's if he's getting five, six, seven assists a game and stealing the ball a couple times, man, that is a great outcome for Duke and potentially a great outcome for Jeremy Roach. He may not be a scorer, but he can affect the game in so many ways, even if he's just lobbing the ball up to Mark Williams on offense. And, and by the way, Chris Duhon, I mean, goes on to have a very successful NBA career. A long than, NBA career. Made more than $30 million in his NBA career. I'm sure Jeremy Roach will take that. He would be perfectly happy with that kind of a career, uh, you know, ahead of him in basketball. But Donald, uh, you, you know, you, you, you are the Duhon expert. Yeah, you tell me. <laughs> Donald, am I off base here? No, you're not off base. And, and really, when you think about the team, because he started, he was one of the guys that led the, you know, he was, a, as a freshman, almost led the nation in assists. Again, he had a bunch of guys that he could pass the ball to. But if you're going to have a guy that's going to average 10 and six and like maybe a couple steals and be 
the fourth option on offense, like that's a great thing to have because if your fourth op- option or fifth option is scoring 10 points a game, that's great. And, and I do want to, I'm glad you mentioned Rose because I want to talk about another guard. And we, you know, the last few episodes, we've had to really be critical of the guards in their play. So I am really, I really want to give praise where praise is due. And Jordan Goldwire came off the bench and had an electric game uh, on offense. On defense, he only had one steal, but he was com- he like they were scared of passing the ball in his direction. You could see that there were times where they'd see him and his his arms are flapping out all over the place, and they were like, "I I can't pass the ball to you. I got to go." It's somewhere getting else. to that point where it, it's like when you have a, a cornerback who is so good that the ball doesn't go to his side of the field. Exactly. That's what's happening to Jordan Goldwire yeah. on defense right now. He's he not getting targeted. Can't steal the ball if it's not if it's not in front of him. And that's exactly what they tried to do. And on offense, I mean, he, had, he went four for six from beyond the arc. Like, incredible. And each, there was one that was at the end of the shot clock. All of them were shots that really boosted the energy of everybody involved. So uh, I do want to give praise. We, we've, been, we've been critical of the guards lately. The guards showed up tonight, and I'm very, very proud to see them rebound uh, after what has been a, a, a pretty off couple of weeks for them. So, Jason, I, I know shooting uh, four for six from beyond the arc for Goldwire is a bit of a shock to all of us, and I think yeah. you have some other surprises as well. Yeah, yeah. One of the other good things I wanted to mention, and part of it is, it, uh, you know, is Jordan Goldwire. He hit four three-pointers. I want to talk about the surprising things from Duke in this game because there are a few things that – uh, you know, here we are at the start of the ACC tournament. This isn't a time that teams usually surprise you with with changes, but there were some real surprises in this game. And, and one of them is Jordan Goldwire, like, hunting for three-pointers. I mean, Jordan Goldwire attempted six three-pointers in this game. I, I, actually, I, I don't know if six three-point three-point attempts is a career high for Jordan Goldwire. It probably is. But I know for damn well sure that four three-pointers made is a career high for him. And... and if he becomes dangerous from the perimeter and he took him with confidence, there were several of them guys in his, you know, it wasn't like a late in the shot clock, you know, or he was wide, wide, wide open. He took a couple of those with guys in his face. And, but he was like, I know I'm going to hit this. If, if he develops that it is a, it's a significant boost for this Duke team because teams have been slagging off of Goldwire all season long, daring him to shoot. Suddenly he can shoot. That's, that's a really big deal for Duke. So that was one surprise. And, and by the way, um, uh, folks, if, if you're in Las Vegas, uh, did you have the 50 to one ticket on Jordan Goldwire hitting more three pointers than Matthew hurt? <laughs> I know I to, didn't. You got to cash. Never that not in a single game this year. <laughs> <laughs> you got to cash out of that puppy boy. That's, that was a shocking result. The, the, the other, the, there are two other surprising things I want to mention. One of them was uh, Wendell Moore was the point guard in this game. Let's be absolutely clear about that. When he was in the game, Wendell Moore was the guy who was bringing the ball up the floor. And I, you know, I think part of that was to free up Roach and, and DJ, Jeremy Roach, especially on the wing to be a little more creative on the wing. And, and we've talked about what a great game Jeremy Roach had. So I am all in favor of whatever it was that caused Jeremy Roach to have that, that really fine contest and DJ Stewart as well. But I thought it's just really an interesting development that Duke seems to have moved Wendell Moore somewhat to the point guard. He did have five turnovers. It wasn't a great game from him, but it's an interesting development for this team. But I do think from Boston College's perspective, they were shocked to see that. Like yes. when, they, when yes. he started bringing the ball up, you could see they were kind of like, uh, what do we do? And you could see, I mean, there was a couple of times where the first few times when he brought the ball up, there was an instant mismatch for three guys because they didn't shift their guys they they didn't want to put the guy guarding Wendell Moore 
on Wendell Moore when he's bringing the ball up because they knew that was a mis- mismatch. So they put a guard on him, which means that two other guards were open and Matthew Hurt was open. Passed the ball around a couple times. You either got a great three out of it or a Mark Williams dunk. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it created some problems. And it'll be very interesting to see what if Duke continues down that path. Uh, so the other um, surprising thing I wanted to mention is Henry Coleman and to a lesser extent, Joey Baker. Both guys got big, big minutes in this game. Henry Coleman played 15 minutes uh, clearly a career high for him. I, I I feel like he probably played a good 12 of those minutes in the second half. He was in there for a long, long stretch of time in the second half and playing hard. And he, Henry Coleman and Joey Baker, these guys, they just play with great enthusiasm and energy all the time. They are not super physically gifted, but they make up for it with great work ethic. And I thought both of them had really, really nice games. And it leads me into a really important thing. If Duke is going to attempt five wins in five days, and, uh, you know, again, our mantra here is we're only looking one game at a time. So we beat BC. We're going to look ahead to Louisville. And there's nothing beyond that. But we do have to be aware (laughs) of the reality, which is each time we win, there is another game for five days in a row. If we're going to win five games in five days, our guys cannot get exhausted. No one, no one on the team played more than 27 minutes in this game. But exhaustion and fatigue are not just the minutes you play. It's not just a physical thing. It is also a mental thing and, and an emotional thing. And when you win a game in an absolute walk like this, a game that, where the game was not in doubt basically the entire second half, it makes you more mentally sharp the next day. It doesn't drain you emotionally. It doesn't drain you mentally. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't think any of our starters played more than maybe five to seven minutes of the second half. That's a great thing because Duke needs to be fresh for what lies ahead. And, and I think we took an important step. Beating the pants off of BC is great because you love to beat the pants off of someone, but this is the right time to do that um, because our guys are going to be both mentally and physically fresh for what lies ahead, which is, like I said, it's just so, so important. Yeah, and, and honestly having guys come in, having the bench cleared with about 325 left in the game, that's a great thing. I mean, we said in the preview before this game, blow the doors off, make sure everyone gets to play and be able to rest our guys. And like you said, starting with about seven minutes left in the game, we were able to pull guys and rest them and mentally start, you know, de- debriefing and, and kind of, you know, bring it down from this game and resting so that we have a quicker turnaround tomorrow. Uh, also, one final surprise, 15 threes made in the game. Incredible shooting. Let's hope that continues. Okay, guys, we had a lot of good, but it's time to get to the bad. Uh, I'm sure there wasn't much from this game, but there are some things that we can improve for tomorrow. Jason, I'll go back to you. What do you have uh, from the bad, the veggie part of this course? I, I mean, Matthew Hurd did not shoot great and didn't get off a lot of shots. Um, look, Louisville vividly remembers <laughs> what Matthew Hurt did to them last time. Uh, he probably needs to, Duke needs to find him in better ways. He needs to be better um, a, as Duke moves forward. Um, and, and also, he, he picked up four fouls in very limited minutes uh, when one of the reasons Duke lost to Louisville last time was because Matthew Hurt fouled out. We did not have him in overtime. And, and that, that was a really big deal for the team. Matthew Hurt needs to find a way to not commit a lot of fouls, especially a lot of you know, today, especially they were, they were sort of ticky tack fouls. My, my other bad stuff is just really quickly. What happened to Jamin Brakefield uh, only plays four minutes in this game, barely played at all until he came in 
with the with the walk-ons late in the contest. Um, I, I think it's possible that Henry Coleman has at least temporarily supplanted him in the big man rotation. Um, so you know that's that's something to keep an out, eye out for. Um, my other bad is uh, Duke didn't get to the free throw line very much. We only shot ten free throws in this game. Part of that is that BC didn't put up much of a fight, but you know free throws are easy points. You, you need to get them. And and my last thing is. Is it wrong, guys, for me to be a little bit mad and a little bit upset when I see Jeremy Roach and DJ Stewart playing this well? Because if they'd played even half this effectively in the past few games, we'd have a couple more wins. We wouldn't be sweating the ACC tournament right now. That's not technically a bad from this game, but it is a negative feeling that I had. Am, am I wrong to feel that way? It, it does kind of <laughs> stink when you, when you think that way. And I'm not blaming you, Jason. I think it's totally natural. But yeah, it's a bummer to think that this has been in them for the last few weeks. Like they are not fundamentally different players than they were two weeks ago. And if they played this well against Carolina or against Georgia Tech, then we are having a different conversation this week about the meaning of the ACC tournament. And we I haven't think, played yet. Right. And, and, yeah, and exactly. I, <laughs> I, well, yeah, that, I guess that too. The, I, I did want to go back and, and re-highlight your point about Matt Hurt because He's been so stellar for Duke basically in every game this season that it, it's it's so weird now to see him have a have an off night like this where he's not making the shots. He's not even necessarily getting the shots or getting getting open as much. I did notice a little bit more willingness from him to pass tonight. And I do wonder if he's sort of gotten to the point where I I, I know I keep coming back to NBA talk, but but it I feel like it, it permeates so much of the discussion these days, especially late in the season. For Matt Hurt, I feel like he's gotten to the point where he knows that he's a great shooter and that someone's telling him, look, you should learn how to pass the ball more. It's going to help your teammates. Maybe it, maybe it helps the team win. Maybe there's a, a, a more optimal formula here than you scoring you know 20-plus points a game, but also that there's something in it for you if you can be a, a good passer. And I thought there were a couple times tonight where he was looking to pass before he was looking to shoot, and I wonder if that was in the game plan for him. I, I don't want to read too deeply into that. And maybe we'll see a different version of him tomorrow against Louisville, a team that we know he can score against. Whereas tonight the game was mostly not in doubt. So why not try passing more? Why not, you know, try being more creative on offense and seeing what clicks. So an interesting thing, I think to watch going forward for him, hopefully Duke is able to overcome Louisville and we get to see even a little bit more of that development throughout the rest of the week. Yeah, so I, I think the one thing that that you guys didn't cover that I will, and, and Jason, you kind of did discuss it a little bit in the good, uh, was Wendell Moore uh, at the point. He had five turnovers. And I think early on, I was able to break down kind of what he's doing that was leading to those turnovers. He's starting, you know, as he's coming up, he kind of starts at, at the top of the key. And the offense, whatever offense they're usually running, calls for the point guard to be at the top of the key. If he takes one step to his right or one step to his left for the entry pass, he was trying to do entry passes from the top of the key to Mark Williams or Matthew Hurt in the post. And if any of you out there have played basketball, I know we all have, that is the wrong entry lane because that lane is always going to be covered with two or three arms between you and your man. If he takes a step or two to either side towards the wing, that entry pass becomes a lot closer. It also becomes a lot more open. And I think all he has to do is just recognize that and maybe do a fake to one side dribble, you know, take one hard dribble and then make the entry pass into the, into the post. I think those are very small things that can be improved and something that they can look at on the tape when they go back to Durham tonight and kind of go, Hey, just take an extra step, take an extra dribble, be, be patient with it. And that passes there. 
So I think that is something where uh, uh, we can do just a little bit better. And I mean, I thought other than him, I mean, he had five turnovers. We had 12 total. So if he reduces that, we're under 10 turnovers. And I think everyone's saying that we had a very, very good game as far as keeping uh, keeping our hands on the basketball. Yeah, there, there's, I mean, we were struggling for bad stuff from this game. <laughs> yeah. We won by 40. I mean, that, you know, that's, it's awesome. This is what you want. So uh, here's my you, bad. You want, you want to hear my bad? Go, go for it. Despite the output tonight, the walk-ons are still not on pace to meet the lofty points projections that I had for them at the beginning <laughs> of the season. In the Keenan was game. trying. Keenan was trying. I am trying. avoiding. I am avoiding getting into specifics about the stats game because I am really not looking forward to doing that review. But yeah. I did just pull up the numbers on the on the points, and I really need the walk-ons to play a few more minutes. Hey, Savarino, he got he got himself his first point. He did. Uh, he did. He he, so he really helped the cause to tonight. Him. Buckmeyer, not helpful. So <laughs> two more. he was looking to pass. He was looking to pass, uh, but, but we didn't, we didn't guess passes or assists for those. Yeah. Guys. We, we were just, guessing points. So I need Buckmeyer to fill it up. We we're trying to be bold. Uh, well, at least some of us were, uh, I I'm going to win that category. I'm probably winning that category. <laughs> probably. Uh, but we will leave that for another day. We will also leave this game in the dust. We will take a quick break on the other side. We have more basketball to discuss tomorrow, a big matchup against Louisville. What do we need to do to win that ball game? Stick around and find out. All right, folks, we are back. And again, we have another game uh, tomorrow. We face the seventh seed Louisville Cardinals. Seems like we've been playing them a lot this year. It's because we have. This will be the third time we face them. That game estimated for a 6.30 p.m. Eastern tip-off. Instead of doing our normal preview that we do for these games because of the ACC tournament, and we hope that these games will come quick and fast, we're just going to, we're just going to pick out specific things that we are looking to see in this game, whether it be an important factor for Duke, someone on, on the opposing team that we're going to look out for, some X factor that we're looking for, and we're each going to give one to kind of preview you for this game tomorrow. So, Sam, I would like to go to you first. Give me something that you are looking forward to tomorrow, whether it be an important matchup or to focus on a key player. I think from the prior games against Louisville and thinking about how Duke played today against Boston College, the Big change is the improvement in the guards for Duke. DJ Stewart in the last game was two for 13 from the field. And Jeremy Roach, I I think, just didn't play that much. He was only one for five. And neither, I think, applied the appropriate amount of pressure to Louisville's guards. Carlick Jones had an excellent game last week against Duke. And in both games, both games were close. I think the key here is that, yes, Duke is 0-2 against Louisville this year, but by five points the first time and by overtime the second time. So it has been a, a small margin. We've talked a lot about how close the the margin has been. And I'm looking forward to hopefully Duke's guards playing a little bit better in this game and overcoming that that small difference. Jason, what do you got? So my one thing that I'm going to be on the lookout for in this game, and it's something I've talked about a lot this season, it relates to numbers. And I'm going to give you some numbers. The second time that Duke played Louisville, Four for 21. Duke was four of 21 on three-pointers. The first time we played them, we were eight of 25, which is not, it's better, but not a lot better. That combines to be 21.7%. Duke shot 21.7% against Louisville on three-pointers during the regular season in two games that we lost that were basically one possession games, tie games in the final minute. This Duke team has got to hit, I've said it before, I'm saying the threshold, 33%. 
we've got, and you saw today against BC, what a difference it made when Duke hit their threes. If we, if we shoot 21% from three-point land against Louisville, we will not beat them. I'll just come out and say that right now. This team's got to be in the 30s or the 40s, uh, hopefully the upper 30s. So the one thing I'm looking for is can Duke knock down those three-point shots? And it sort of relates to what Sam was talking about because DJ, a lot of it is DJ Stewart. But uh, that, that's, I think that's what we've got to do because I don't think we can count on Matthew Hurt scoring 37 points again. I think that's a little unrealistic. <laughs> Yeah, and I think part of mine kind of ties in, kind of ties everything together because I think it deals with the guards and the front court, and that is points in the paint. Last time we played Louisville, we allowed 44 points in the paint, and you're thinking, oh, their big men were destroying us, and that was the case to an extent, but it was Carla Jones really carving our carving us up like a butcher, just going through the lane and either scoring at will or passing it off to someone in the paint who also scored at will. That breakdown of penetration. We have to limit that and make sure that the ball stays out of the paint where they can do the most damage because they don't shoot very well from three. They, they don't take a lot of threes either because especially against us, we've been giving them the paint and they were taking most of their shots from inside of 15 feet. So if we can limit the paint points, really bring that down into the twenties instead of the forties, then we will have a great chance of winning the ball game. Because again, we, we lost by seven, one time in overtime, we lost by five, the other on the other performance those points to the paint were the difference in both of those games. If we can limit that, we have a chance to be on the, on the winning side of that column. Hey, one other thing I want to mention about this game, keep an eye out for Jalen Withers. I really think this guy's coming on strong as, mm-hmm. as an important, important player for Louisville. And one thing that's changed about his game a little bit from earlier in the season, he's taking a lot of three pointers. He, he is willing to step outside um, and, and shoot a lot more than he, than he used to. Uh, he's a, he's a big deal. And uh, it is really important for Duke that we not let him have a big game against us. On that topic, this is a great game for Matt Hurt to bounce back, not just in the offense, uh, like on the offensive side of the ball, but on defense. The, the silly fouls need to be eliminated from Matt Hurt's game because Jalen Withers will take immediate advantage of that against him. Yeah, and if I want to charge uh, a couple of guys on the team for having a, a, a try to have a good game, uh, it's Jamin Brakefield and it's Wendell Moore. And I'm not saying that Jamin Brakefield is going to make or break this game, but the minutes that he's in in this game, he's going to see more time uh, tomorrow, I think, just because of the matchups. But I think if he sees the court, if he can be productive and efficient in those times that he is on the court, that's going to be a really big boost. And Wendell Moore, like we mentioned, if he's going to control the, the offense and, and be the kind of point forward that we saw today, if he can limit those turnovers, if we can take care of the basketball, we're going to have many more opportunities to beat Louisville. So again, that game, 6.30-ish tomorrow, it might be pushed back closer to 7 given the, the games before it. But Duke takes on Louisville in what is, again, a very big game for the Blue Devils. And before we check out of here, I did want to make note of some of the end of season awards that the ACC had. Uh, We had a lot of Blue Devils that appeared on some of these lists, and I want to go through them very quickly. Uh, Matt Hurt is first team all ACC, which I think was expected by a lot of people. He was one of the top vote getters for ACC player of the year. Uh, He he did win most improved player of the year, which I think is a fantastic achievement for him, given uh, what he did from his freshman year to this year as a sophomore. Uh, I think we can all be proud of that. 
Uh, the all freshman team, DJ Stewart made that team. And on the all defensive team, we had Jordan Goldwire checking in on that list. So uh, we had a couple of guys on the uh, main ACC awards. There is also the academic all ACC team. And again, that is a lot of different metrics that land you on that list. Most notably, you have to be pretty smart and you have to do well in the classroom. We had four guys that landed on that list. Wendell Moore, DJ Stewart, Jamin Brakefield, and big Mark Williams. So congratulations to all of those guys. Uh, Sam, what do you think of these awards? Do you think anyone got snubbed or do you think everyone was right where they should be? I think all well-deserved. If Mark Williams had played like February Mark Williams for more of the season, then perhaps he would have deserved to be all freshman. But mm-hmm. I think DJ Stewart over the course of the season, clearly Duke's best freshman, clearly one of the best freshmen in the ACC. I loved like looking over the the list this year, I think I just have a different perspective this year because Duke is not top of the pops the way that they normally are. They're, you know, they weren't a top four ACC seed. So I felt like I was a little bit more, um, I was like more accepting of like, oh, Duke might get some guys on that team, but whatever. Matt Hurt really has been that good. DJ Stewart really has been that good. Jordan Goldwire really has been that good on defense. Um, so those guys deserve those nominations, but I thought the rest of the teams all looked good to me and, and I'm excited for all the Duke guys that got those honors. You, you know, the thing that struck me looking at the, all the lists, and this is not a Duke thing, but just something about the ACC, uh, you don't have to, th- this is a team game and you don't have to have stars to, to be really, really successful. Florida state, one of the absolute best teams in the ACC, I think probably the best team in the ACC uh, yes, you know, Scotty Barnes, you know, did it on the six man and the freshman kind of thing. But it's not like you saw Florida, the name of Florida State players all over the place on on these uh, you know, all ACC teams. Um, Virginia had, you know, Hauser and Huff, but, uh, you know, it, it just struck out to me how much teams have succeeded by playing like a team, not by relying on stars. And, and I just thought that was an interesting thing that I noted as I was looking down this list of, you know, who was doing really well. I, I mean, Virginia Tech, other than Aluma, there's like no one from Virginia Tech on any of these teams. Virginia Tech had a great season. Alternatively, Jason, it might be that the ACC is having such a down year that, that we're seeing guys from across the board. I yeah, think that probably plays a point, but I, I think your, your point that. is valid as well. Yeah. Yeah, well, congratulations to everyone on the list, most especially our guys, Matthew Hurt, DJ Stewart, Jordan Goldwire, Wendell Moore, Jamin Brakefield, and big Mark Williams. Congratulations for all the success you guys had this year uh, individually and collectively. Uh, And hopefully tomorrow we will be back here to talk about more basketball. But for now, that will do it for episode 292 of the DBR podcast. Uh, Again, make sure you rate, subscribe, review, do all the stuff that makes us feel nice. Uh, and also, if you have questions, we've, get, we've been getting a lot of questions during before the ACC tournament. I'm sure we'll get a lot more. DBRpodcast at gmail.com is where you want to go for all yeah, the that. Yeah, e- the email box has been active lately. I mean, yeah, really it's been chirping. <laughs> Burr's been chirping. The, the, if, if you have the, the sound of your email, I had to turn that off because you guys have been littering our, our email box with great questions, great insight, and great feedback. So we really appreciate it. Uh, but until tomorrow, we will be back to you sometime after the Louisville game, hopefully to recap a win. But we will be back nonetheless for Jason Evans and Sam Klein. I am Donald Wine. And now, Duke Ben, play us out. Take us home.
All right, I had a humble brag that I needed to share that you can include as an outtake if you want. Okay. Last night, this is totally not basketball related on the theme of me not talking about basketball. Last night, uh, so when I, 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 I try to watch Jeopardy every night. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I do, I don't, I think other people do this too when they watch Jeopardy. But one of the things I like to do is when they show the category for Final Jeopardy, I try to guess what the answer is going to be. Mm-hmm. Once but before, before in my right, life, before, I've you, gotten before it. you see it, yeah, yeah, I got it last night. What was I've been? What was it? Was it? I think it's actually a relatively easy one for that game. The category was uh, radio history, mm-hmm. and the answer. Can you guess what the wait, answer wait. was? I'm gonna go War of the Worlds. You are exactly right. Oh. <laughs> I was gonna go Casey Kasem because it's radio. So. Yeah, uh, and and the contestants went two for three, and the only guy who got it wrong said the War of the World. So, and they, they said that oh, that was not acceptable, terrible. which what was, I think what is what was the actual question. What was the question? It was, um, so, you know, the whole thing about how the war of the worlds caused like a panic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. The question was framed around. I don't remember. It was, it was like in a South American country. It was like this radio broadcast, um, like in, I think it was like in Ecuador, um, sparked a like mass riots 11 years after its original broadcast in the U S that is way too easy a question yeah, yeah, yeah. for for Jeopardy that, for Final Jeopardy. Anyway, who was the second time? Who was the uh, who was the host? Uh, Katie Couric is the host this week. Oh, okay, and, okay. And uh, she she's a friend good. of mine. I I know Katie. She's a really? friend of mine. Yeah, she was oh. good. She wasn't great. I, I she needs some seasoning, but she'll get from, there. From her That's days it. at C, from her days at CNN when Ka- That's Katie. Right. But not many people know this. Katie Couric got her start at CNN. She got her start working in the guest in, in the guest bookings unit which my mom was, uh, my mom was the uh, executive vice president in charge of guest bookings. When Katie Couric arrived at CNN in the early 1980s, she had no place to stay. And so for a month, she stayed in uh, above my garage because my mom was her boss. And so, and, and little, little like 14 year old Jason had a massive crush on Katie Couric before what, she, she was, was like, anyone famous. She, she was did. what, 21 at that point? At, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. I had a huge crush on her and she lived in my house. So also, was... also, Sam had a nice humble brag and we were all we were all reveling in his humble brag and you just had to no, humble but, brag. But, but, no, but Jason got the same answer. So he's so he's right in the but you had right the, the you there. had to brag the humble like you had to bring it. I, I don't have any humble brags that can match that. So <laughs> I'm, I'm very proud. I was I was like really proud of myself. Yeah, you should be. It's a great moment. <laughs>